praise your name, Lord. That's what I'm talking about. I'm here to lift the name of Jesus high. All right, welcome to Feeding My Faith. Today, what we're doing is, uh, in, in honor of Mother's Day, back in June of 2005, when I was originally thinking, this was actually, this is, I'm going to play you a sermon that I did from 2005 in honor of uh, Mother's Day. And uh, this will be at feedingmyfaith.com forward slash 5-1. This is episode 51. But uh, I was asked by my church, because of my background, I'm a teacher during the day. I teach uh, businesses technology. And I was asked, hey, since you, uh, you know how to talk in public, and I'd been teaching Sunday school for years. Why don't you do a sermon on Mother's Day? And I'm like, great. What would you like me to talk about? And they said, uh, what your mother meant to you. And I'm like, great. So you want me to stand up and cry for an hour and a half uh, or a half hour. It's not an hour and a half sermon. But basically, this was the first sermon that I'd ever done. So I was a little nervous. And uh, I thought I would share that with you here on Mother's Day. Yowza. You know... <laughs> I wasn't quite as nervous yesterday when I had my dog in the front row. Um, So I'm having one of those moments that I've had through my life where right now there's a little lack of oxygen. And usually in these times, my mom would find something fun to do. So, and all God's children said, amen. Amen. All right. See, Mother's Day is not really my favorite day. It's one of those days that's like, Mother's Day. And the great thing about it is every commercial on the radio is going to remind you that Mother's Day is coming in 10 days. And then you pass by all the signs on the road and Mother's Day flowers. See, because my mom died in 1989. And it's weird because that's a while ago. But whoever said time heals all wounds didn't know my mom. She was super mom, super mom, able to buzz you with her guilt ray. Carpool at a moment's notice. She was super mom. In fact, when kids came over to the house, I would come home from work and my house would be full of my friends hanging out with my mom. Um, They never called her Mrs. Jackson more than once. It was always just the mom or mom or whatever. So every day I think about my mom and then I stop myself from thinking about my mom because it just messes with my head. It's like a paper cut on your heart. So when Sheila came and said, Davey? You know, the the voice in my head said, run. And she said, I want you to give the message. And I went, hmm. All right. Well, maybe we could do an attitude. Okay. When, when, when do you want me to give the message? On Mother's Day. And the voice in my head went, ooh, that's, that's going to be weird. Uh, what do you want me to preach on? What's your mom meant to you? <laughs> and I said, oh, great, I'll just stand up and cry for a half hour. That'll be entertaining. So, but, but out of my, my mouth, that's what my, my head said. And all of a sudden my mouth went, okay, sure, I can do that. So I thought about this, and I'm like, okay, what does my mom mean to me? And I was going to sing a song today, but to be quite honest, it's really depressing. So I went, ah, we're not doing that. But here's the verse about my mom. It said, Barbie was my mother. She gave to me my life. 
And she taught me, since we got one here, to be a shadow, you have to have a light. I really miss her humor. I really miss her, her baked beans on the 4th of July. And she was always there to talk to on a, on a cold, dark, rainy night. But most of all, she was the anchor in my life. She was my confidence to keep me calm. And every day that the sun rises, I really miss my mom. So what she didn't realize is this is part one of 67. And uh, no, I'm just kidding. So we had, uh, so I had to think about this. I'm like, well, okay, what, let's, let's characterize my mom. And I thought, well, she was strong. She was really funny, uh, a lot of times without even trying. She was really friendly, enormously patient, which we'll talk about here in a second. Very creative, a great listener, uh, focused. When, when you gave my mom a problem, it, you just she'd focus and it was done. Uh, she treasured her family and she took her faith. She had a very sincere faith. And along the way, she has passed these along to me. So an example of this was when I was growing up, or, or even before I was around, she had her friends. And they, were, they all had weird names like Aggie and Stinky. And they called my mom George. Everybody had a nickname, right? So my, my dad is going, yeah, I'm going out with George tonight. I'm going out with George. I'm going out. So finally, he brings George home to beat my grandpa. And grandpa's like, so this is George, huh? So she really treasured her friends. In fact, I remember um, when I was growing up, they would all come over. And they all smoked, unfortunately. And I would actually stuff a towel underneath my bedroom door to block out the, the smoke. But nonetheless, I learned that when you have a really good friend, you, you treasure that. So when Sheila asked me to do this... Um, the first thing that popped in my head was me being just a brat. I thought, oh boy, this, is, this ought to be fun. Um, I, I guess because I have a, an ear for music or whatever, I have the ability to imitate things. I can hear music and I imitate it on the guitar. I could imitate myself crying. So it was like every year, it was like, let's see, best supporting actor in a tantrum, Dave Jackson. There we go. I was, it was just every year, you know? And to the point where I could do this, you know, the whole, <laughs> I mean, I had it all down, and it was perfect. So the whole thing about you can't fool mom, mm-mm. And to the point where it just drove her nuts. And she had two options, kill your child, or she would actually go out and sit on the front porch. So to me, that was patience. You know, now, if this had continued on, she pretty much would have lived on the front porch. So she got creative. My mom was very creative. So one day, I'm again in the middle of mid-tantrum, and I'm good to go, and I'm on, their, I'm on my parents' bed, and I am just pushing every button, and nothing is working. And I'm like, well, has someone rewired mom? Because I should, if I do this, and the pillow in the head, and just nothing's working. <laughs> And all of a sudden, she walked over and just moved a Kleenex box and hit a stop on one of these new things called a cassette tape recorder. And I was busted. I couldn't. She had taped the whole thing. And then she issued those words that I hated to hear. Wait till your father gets home. I was caught red-handed. I couldn't argue my way out of this one. And you know what? I threw another tantrum. This one was real. Oh, this is not fair. you got to be kidding me. 
So she dialed six numbers of my father's workplace back when you actually dialed the phone. I remember this. And that finally shut me up because dad, unfortunately, had the bad role of disciplinarian. I could do a whole sermon on my dad. He taught me a lot, too. Uh, but she was very creative, and she had a way of, of taking, as I mentioned before, really heavy, possibly traumatic situations and making them fun. When she was actually pregnant with me, she, uh, she would let Doug listen to her stomach. So here's this weird thing, you know, that you're going to have another kid, and everybody's always worried about, what about the previous kids? So my mom found a way to make this fun, and she would let Doug listen, and they were kind of like, well, this is kind of neat, and they'd talk to each other. If it was another girl, uh, you know, it'd be another great, have another little sister, but if it was a boy, boy, you're going to be a great big brother, and, uh, and mom was right on that one. And so she found that way to, to take the traumatic, kind of weird part of it out of it for the, the, the kids that were already there. She was a diabetic, and every morning would have to shoot herself with insulin. And being that I always just kind of followed her all around the house, it was kind of weird. Mom would kind of discreetly kind of jab herself. And this would be kind of a weird thing. But somehow, Mom found an empty Prell bottle one day, and she's rinsing out her syringe. This is before they had disposable ones. And so she said, here, let's race. So we would race every day while she would clean out her syringe. So it's just weird situations that were kind of dramatic. And somehow, she found a way to make them fun. So my mom was, was fun. Um, she took, she had a very sincere faith, um, before really anybody was around. My mom was engaged to a guy, I think his name was Bob. I know he had a boat. And the reason I'm not Bob Jr. is mom refused to raise her children Catholic. She took her faith very seriously. So that's why I'm not Bob Jr. Um, but it was a day where it's a Sunday and we're, we're all getting ready to go to church. And boy, do I remember this one vividly. Big skillet of bacon on the thing. And you know, bacon's just crackling away. And somehow, it was me and Kathy, and somehow somebody bumped the handle. And it just so started to spin to the point where when it got over the edge of the edge of the gizmo thingy, whatever that is, it flipped. And I was the lovely recipient of all that bacon grease right here on my leg. And I screamed so loud, I woke up the neighbors, I ran out of the kitchen, and I remember going to the living room, and somehow my dad had jumped out of bed into his bathrobe instantly, <laughs> ran down the hall. It's the only time I've ever seen my dad uh, scared. And he picked me up by my neck and threw me in the tub. And uh, when you're five, your leg's not that big anyway, so when you got, you know, that hurt. Um, so, you know, one kid down, one kid down. It's Sunday. What happens? Do we all stay home? No. It's Sunday. We're going to church. Now, not me. I kind of had this whole weird fried egg looking thing on my egg at this point. So Pop stayed home with me and the family went to church. Sunday was special. We just sang, take time to be holy. Sunday was special. Every Sunday, mashed potatoes, roast beef, gravy and corn. And there are no excuses, but they're going to play kickball. Nope. They're going to, you are having Sunday dinner with the family. My, my dad, as I said, was a, I think I said this, was a long-distance truck driver. So I had no choice. I was a mama's boy. And when the pop was home on the weekend, Sunday, no excuses. Family is important. You are eating Sunday dinner with your family. So Sundays had 
this routine, church, mashed potatoes, gravy, green giant corn, and uh, roast. So I'm thinking about this. Once the technology had ruined all my tantrums, I don't really remember being that bad of a kid. And I'm like, well, why did I listen to my mom? What, what did she do that I just kind of went, okay. And I really had to think back about this. And it, she took me to what would be the amount of like a Swenson's. It was a drive-in restaurant. And I had my, this is back when you could open the glove compartment and actually put food on that. Remember that? And uh, I'm sitting there with my fries. And she said, do you want any ketchup on your fries? And I remember thinking, but you can't improve the French fry. What, are you crazy? And she says, no, you can put ketchup on your fries. And I'm like, what? But... You know, it was mom, so I'll give her the benefit of the doubt. And she put in ketchup on the fries, and I tried it, and I was like, brilliant! You are a genius! Oh, my goodness, I can't believe it. So as stupid as that sounds, I swear, from that day forward, I was like, hey, she knew about ketchup, so I'm giving it a shot. Um, so she was wise, and she, she shared her wisdom. She was also strong, and this is a really weird memory, but it's a favorite of mine now that I look back. I was probably around seven, and we're having some kind of argument. I'm sure I'm not, it's not fair, and Doug got to do it, I went on it, blah, 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 and somewhere in there I screamed out, I hate you! Ooh. And sure enough, that caught her with a left cross, and she kind of was like, and started to tear up, and that then went to me, because I didn't want to hurt my mom. I was just like, hey, I, I'm going to play the I hate you card. And here's why I like this memory. The anchor held. I, I hear a lot through, through Katie's friends and Emily's friends. There are a lot of kids telling their parents what to do. You know, my dad reinforced that. Who do you think you're talking to? Boy, I only had to say, I only had to hear that once. Because that was my mom. And so... She could have said, well, you know what, I'll let him do it and I'll be his buddy. But she wasn't my buddy. She was my parent. And to that I go, praise God that I hated my mom. That sounds really weird. But whatever it was, I don't remember what it was, she wasn't going to let me do it. She was my parent. She was my mom. And she was the super parent. I mean, if she wasn't refereeing between me and Doug, I had this weird thing. I would beat myself up. Ow, Doug, Mom, ow, Mom, Doug is... And Doug would walk in and go, I heard my name. And, and, and Mom would walk in and I go, Doug's beating me up. And Doug would get in trouble. Now, this didn't last very long because Doug would hear me going, ow, Doug. And he's like, well, if I'm going to do the time. And he also had... He also had his time for revenge. There was nothing worse than, I'm going to the store. Doug and his friend Mark Seneff were going to watch you. And I was like, no, please, I'll go to the store with you. Because that meant for the next hour, Doug was going to try to, try to stick my head in a toilet. <laughs> I wish I was lying, but I'm not. Um, so he had his, his revenge. So there were times when, and it was amazing because I was like seven. And I'd be like one hand on the towel rack and they still couldn't get me in there. <laughs> So, moving on. Uh, how many people had my mom and my aunt for Sunday school? Yeah. 
This was a great time because, number one, she was my parent, but she was also my teacher. So basically, my cousin and I, had we just ruled this classroom because she couldn't really yell at us, even though she wanted to, because she was the parent, because she was the teacher, and she had to be nice in front of all the other kids. So we were able to really play that angle. Um, but the thing about it was, I remember on Saturday nights, she would call my aunt, and they would have this discussion, and they would plan the Sunday school, and you couldn't do, you could, you could try to get away with interrupting mom during the week, but you couldn't interrupt her here. You couldn't do, mom, 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 no, that wasn't going to work because she was planning Sunday school. It was like a war room planning session. You know, we'll move in with the, we'll start off with a song and then we'll move to the scripture and then we will move forward with the crayons, you know. <laughs> they had this great strategy. And that's why that class was fun. I mean, I learned the 23rd Psalm there. I learned the 100th Psalm there. I learned a lot there. And my mom took that very seriously because there were souls at stake. And, you know, some parents, they want their kids to go to college. They want them to be successful. They want them to be doctors and lawyers and such. First things first, my mom wanted me to go to heaven. And for that... I am eternally grateful. The teenage years were kind of weird. I was pretty busy. I got a paper route. So when I wasn't uh, eating, going to school, delivering papers, I was doing this thing called play the guitar that pretty much took up my whole day. But there were those times when the wisdom of the fries would carry over. I remember the first time I got dumped. Oh. I had dated this girl for a really long time. Now, when you're 16, a really long time, of course, is three months. <laughs> and I was like, oh, woe is me, you know. I had, I had known this girl. We were friends for a long time. Then we dated, and, and alas, we had gone our separate ways. And mom didn't go, oh, you stupid kid. It's three months. What are you talking about? You know, she didn't talk to me like a kid. She talked to me like an adult. She gave me one of those, you know, there are other fish in the sea and blah, 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 blah. So she talked to me, and really she did that my entire life. She talked to me as an adult, even I think when I was little. She kind of, she didn't really treat me like a kid. We, we shared a lot of music. Uh, my mom actually played the piano, but we didn't have a piano in the house. But we decorated the Christmas uh, tree every year to, to Harry Belafonte's Christmas album. Um, when I started to play the guitar, she took me to see Chet Atkins. I don't know if you guys know who Chet Atkins is. If you know Eddie Van Halen, he's, he's nothing compared to Chet Atkins, which is really kind of cruel to take somebody who's trying to learn the guitar to see Chet Atkins. Because when you see Chet Atkins and you play the guitar, you kind of want to go home and just shoot yourself because you're, you're never going to be that good. But, and along the way, she was very supportive of that. Uh, I played a junior high uh, talent show, and we brought in our own sound system, and we basically made everyone deaf. I mean, the speakers were huge, and, you know. And I've got an audio tape of that, and there's mom in the front row of the balcony, and guess who's hanging out with mom? My friends. So again, it's, it's super mom in the balcony. Um, she taught me to jitterbug to Van Halen's Ice Cream Man. You know, the... the, the <laughs> The typical, the typical response would have been, turn that racket off. My mom walks in and goes, hey, you know what? You could jitterbug to this. Move the coffee table. <laughs> so again, she was kind of fun. So my early 20s, I was making the big money, working at a grocery store, and I moved in with Doug, all right? Which was great, because you could, you could, like, supper was like RC Cola and pudding. <laughs> you know? And, and I'm not kidding. 
Um, so, so now mom is out of sight. I'm out of, I'm out of the guilt ray, right? And, you know, so am I still going to go to church? Because now, I, you know, she wasn't there to kind of nudge me along. And really, moms, moms get a bad rap with this whole guilt ray thing. You know, I, I have a sneaking suspicion, because there are more people here this week than there were last week. And I have a sneaking suspicion the guilt ray was, was maybe a factor in that. But I did go to church, partly because I'd always gone to church. I liked church. I didn't like getting up and getting early. But once I got to church, I kind of had fun. It helped me focus on what I wanted to do for the next week. So I went to church. You know what else was cool about church? If I hadn't seen my mom all week, I'd catch her at church. So I always went to church. And, and of course, it was Sunday. So after Sunday, what do we have? Mashed potatoes, gravy, corn, and roast beef. Now, of course, now we're bringing our laundry over to do it. But uh, we did the laundry, not mom. Um, So moving on to other fun-filled topics, my mom's first heart attack really wasn't that bad. Um, It's kind of weird because I don't remember much about it, and partly because she was super mom. And the heart attack came, and she was like, get out of here. so if you can have a good heart attack, she had a good heart attack. Um, she did quit smoking, kind of. We'll talk about that in a second. Because remember the whole tape recorder she busted me on? We busted her on videotape saying she actually tried a cigarette after her first heart attack. So she wasn't perfect. Um, but they told her to avoid the stairs. Take it easy. You've had a heart attack. Don't try to push it. She got released midweek. Sunday rolled around. There she was. Guess where she was at? Church. So I'm thinking about this as I'm putting this together. I'm like, what? What is the deal? You know, you're you're kind of disobeying doctor's orders. So Brother Dave is gonna preach um, some scripture here. We all know this story of You know, Jesus went to the temple, and Mary and Joseph kind of left him. And they finally figured it out after about three days. And it says here in Luke 2, it says, When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. And after three days, can you imagine losing your kid for three days? They found him in the temple court, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. So not only was he there, he was an active participant. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when his parents saw him... They were astonished. I'm thinking if I missed my kid for three days, I'd be a little more than astonished, but that's just me. (laughs) His mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. And Jesus says, Why were you searching for me? He was 12. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? But they didn't understand what he was saying to them. They went down to Nazareth with them, And he was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. So let me get this straight. The one guy on the planet, the one guy of all time who didn't need to go to church was in church? Well, man, that kind of poo-poo's any excuse I got. (laughs) So I, I turn to the Ten Suggestions. Oh, I'm sorry, the Ten Commandments. And it says, remember the Sabbath by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. 
On it you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your manservant, nor your maidservant, nor your animals, nor the alien within your gates. <gasps> Four. In six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. There's that word again, holy. I found my mother's meatloaf recipe. It's an old tattered card out of her recipe box. And I immediately put it in a Ziploc bag and stuck it in a drawer and kept it flat. It's weird. I loved my mother's meatloaf. And if that's holy, I protect it. I don't let anything get near it that's going to rip it. And I, I, if I could put a force field around it, I would guard my mother's meatloaf recipe. It's holy. God said, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. There's not really a whole lot to interpretate there, is it? Am I missing something? Now, here's the great thing. If you have three hours, let's say it takes you an hour to get ready to go to work or go to church. You spend an hour at church and you've got an hour to drive home. That's three whole hours. 1.7% is what that equals to. The Lord your God is asking for 1.7%. Wow. Okay. Well, let's move on. You shall not make for yourself an idol, better known as you've probably heard this, thou shalt have no other gods before me. You shall not bow down to them and worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. I love this. He's even saying, hey, just, just so you know, I'm going to have a little problem here. Just so you know. For I am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the fathers to the third and fourth generation for those who hate me. See, I told you, I get a little upset. But showing love to a thousand generations for those who love me and keep my suggestions. I'm sorry, commandments. Here's another one. Honor your father and your mother. When Sheila asked me to do this, that's probably the main reason right there. Okay, I'll give this a shot. But here's, check this out. Honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land your gore... Yeah. <laughs> the land your Lord and your God is giving you. You notice something about these two? There's a carrot. God knows that sometimes we need the carrot. Here you go. Come on. Come on. And he's saying, honor your mother and father. Live long in the land your God is giving you. Cool. All right. Thou shalt not have other gods before me. Uh, I will show love to a thousand generations. He's putting a carrot out there. Why? Could it be that it's, I don't know, important? These are the Ten Commandments, right? You don't see, thou shalt not murder, and you get a free Blockbuster rental. You know? You shall not commit adultery, and you get a free Happy Meal. You know? Thou shalt not steal, and you get 50 cents off at the pump. No! These he gave carrots. So if the commandments weren't enough, he's kind of giving you an enticement here. Um, 2 Timothy 1.5 I have been reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice. I was very blessed that my grandparents and my parents were Christians and they didn't water down the gospel. They had a sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. 
For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, of love, and self-discipline. Hmm, there's the problem, that whole self-discipline thing. So, and it's fan the flame, the gift of God. Because you know, if you don't fan a flame, sometimes what happens? Good old Satan's going to come along and go. So fan that gift. So, so if your mom made you feel guilty, don't blame mom. She's only imitating God. It's not. And, and when I thought about this, when I started to write this sermon, we sat down with Katie, and that was the whole thing we talked about was the guilt ray. Boy, was I wrong. My mom was just imitating God. And the mom said, Amen. There we go. So it was Sunday, and my mom was back in church. So anytime I feel like crap, my back right now is not feeling really great. I have the sniffles. I don't know. Those don't quite compare to, hey, I just had a heart attack. So I am Barbie Jackson's son, and I am in church. Now, about 10 years ago, see, I play in this little band thing, and there are times when I get home at, I don't know, 3.30 by the time I'm going to bed. i got to give you this tip. It's very cool. About 10 years ago, I found it. It works great. You can do it really anywhere. Um, it's free. It's, uh, you can, it's not even available at Walmart. It's free. It's called a nap. You should try it. You can go anywhere, anytime, and have a nap. So I can actually go to church and then still be alive for the rest of the day. So I said she wasn't perfect, and that's true. I can kind of understand Jesus' little thing here when he was 12. My mom once dropped me off at a store and then went to another store. She realized she had forgotten me when I walked home. So she wasn't perfect. She was imitating God. Um, So move on to, here's some fun stuff. 1989, not a great year. Started off as a good year. Uh, guys, if you haven't bought mom something yet for Mother's Day, first of all, shame on you. But if you haven't, um, for her birthday, instead of going, here, mom, it's a new pie pan. Here, it's a blender. It's a sweeper. Um, instead of buying her something she needed, I bought her something she wanted. And I don't know what inspired me to do, but I bought her a dress. And man, did I hit a home run with that. It was awesome. So... Keep that in mind. I just Again, just another lovely tip from, from Brother Dave here. Um, but reality started to take on this weird thing. I was 24, and I was feeling rather adultish. And we got this call. And my uncle had died suddenly. And it was very weird because I'd moved home. The, the, the grocery store had, had gone down, and Doug was married now. And, and I was the man of the house. And it was very weird to, A, hear my mom, super mom, crying. And number two, to be the person to, to comfort her. So it was very, very weird. And I didn't really like the way this whole reality thing was going. Now, to this day, I hate, I hate hospitals. The smell of a hospital will seriously almost put me on the floor. It's, it's amazing. When I had to go through fertility treatment a couple years ago with my then wife, Uh, Boy, I was having a hard time. So mom has her second heart attack. This one, not quite so friendly. And when you go in to see your mom and she's tied to like every machine in the uh, hospital, it's quite the kick in the teeth. And uh, 
So here, not only was it not a good heart attack, they couldn't really fix her. And I'm like, but you don't understand. That's super mom. And uh, they couldn't get this fluid out of her lungs, so they have this big family meeting, which is weird because in my entire years, we never had a family meeting. And the doctor pulls us in and says, well, we've tried everything, but we've got one more shot. It's kind of experimental, and it's kind of hard to get on. We're not really sure if it's going to work, and then it might be hard to get off, into the fact that it may actually cause a third heart attack. What do you think? Well, he just told me it's our last shot. And uh, we went, and I'm thinking, well, it doesn't really matter anyway, because it's super mom. There's no big deal. Yeah, let's go. So he leaves, and my mom starts talking about... uh, assisted, what's the word I'm thinking here, life support, and asking, does she think, what do we think about her going on life support? And all of a sudden, I remember thinking, what movie did I walk into? Because this is getting kind of heavy. And all of a sudden, the lights started to flicker, and the room started to spin. And I listened to most of this conversation like this, trying not to pass out, because it started to dawn on me, what the heck are we talking about here? And so here again, my mom had sincere faith. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil. And I said, uh, Mom, I, I can't make that call. I don't want you to go, but that's your life. And she said, well, you know what? I, I don't want to live like that. And she knew, you know, gosh, can I sit here on some kind of weird machine or can I go live with Jesus? I think I'd make the same choice. So then they had, she kind of ushered us out, you know, had us go out, and then she called us in one by one. And I remember again thinking, now hold on a second, because this is sounding really weird like one of those weird deathbed speeches. And I'm like, I don't know how I got into this movie, but is there a door I can get out of this? Because this is really weird. So it's my turn. And here again, my mom has found a way to take a really heavy situation. And she says, you know, whatever happens, you're going to be fine. And I said, I don't know about that, but I'll take your word for it. She says, because you are so... And she looked for a word, and she couldn't really find one. And she said, neat. And we laughed, because it was like, here's this big, huge, dramatic scene Mom's throwing out the word neat. So for some reason, we both thought that was pretty funny. So here we are again in this really traumatic situation, laughing. And we talked about other things. And and if you've ever thought, boy, I wish I could have one day just to say goodbye, I can tell you true, it doesn't really matter. Uh, If nothing else, it puts a, a tip on the spear. So I've lost my place. Um, so anyway, the good news is she goes on she goes on the drug, no problems. The drug works, great. She's coming off the drug, super. I've got all those, those people that called her mom. When can I see her? I get off the phone with Lisa. That's the girl that dumped me, by the way. And uh, I said, hey, she's going into, to, you know, she's out of ICU today. I'm there. Okay, great. I go out to my car. And my neighbor has come out to kind of get an update, and Doug pulls in the driveway. And I go to get in my car, and Doug says, she's gone. And I said, what do you mean she's gone? And he said, she's gone. 
And I remember my poor neighbor, because she just walked into this. And she went, oh, my God, and turned around and walked in. And I thought, oh, oh, that just, boy, stinks to be her right now. And I felt bad for her. And then, you know, Doug, I I walked in the house. I called Lisa. said, well, we're we're not going to the hospital today. And, And Doug told me that more or less, as suspected, Heart attack number three was, was enough uh, to take Supermom. So I sat at the kitchen table, and I tried to soak in this new reality that my anchor was gone. Or was she? See, many times in her life, she had had hardships. Uh, and in those times, you know, you focused on what needed to be done. You addressed the problem, and you focused on it. What needs to be done? You did your best. You trusted God. And you made it through. So there I was at the table, and I started to imitate my mom. You know, when when the disciples were scared in the boat, you know, Jesus woke up and said, Oh, ye of little faith. And that was me. I was like, oh, you, you know, because this is where this whole God thing wasn't just a bunch of words on a piece of paper. This is where I found out, oh, my gosh, there is power in the blood. Because my first role as in this new reality was to tell my grandma that she had just outlived her kid. And I was like, are you kidding me? So Doug and I went over and I'm telling you true. I didn't do it. I was there and words came out of my mouth, but that was 100% Jesus Christ. Because there was no way I could have done that. The funeral was a blur. Casket shopping is very weird. Because you go into the showroom and it's like, here it is, the showroom. You feel like you're on the prices right. How much is that one? I'm sorry, you've underbid. You know, this one has a radio. This one, what? It has a radio? It's very weird. My dad had come home. We were all kind of like this weird fish out of the sea kind of thing going on. We'd made it through calling hours, and there's one more hurdle. I got to get through the funeral now. You know, and to kind of set this up, at our house, because we had the ping pong table, we had the pool table, we had super mom. There was always activity there. It was always David, your ride's home. Or David, David, your ride's here. Doug, your ride's here. Kathy, your ride's here. Mom, your ride's here. You know, that was a constant phrase in our kitchen. So here I am, and I don't know why they do this. At a funeral, they give the family more time. Like you need more time, right? So you, you go into this room with, with your mom, and you're, you're like, it's very silent. You don't know what to do. You're just waiting for people to show up. And once again, there's, there's no oxygen in the room. You're like, can we just get this over with? Oh, I can't believe it. And there's, you look over and there's mom in the dress you bought her for your birthday and you can't breathe and you're like, what the heck? And so here I was again in this traumatic situation and I walked over to the window and I looked out and there was a hearse. And you may, got, you, you may not get this. But I'm looking at this hearse, and I said, uh, Mom, your ride's here. And just kind of like that, it's a weird little thing to say at a funeral, but nonetheless, man, did my family need that. Because we were just, oh, we're just, you know, what do you do? So I am my mom's son. 
I'm very proud of that. My fertility treatments, when I, when I was married, we tried to have a kid. And if I learned nothing else from that, babies are a gift from God. You know, science isn't perfect. Um, but when they failed, what did I do? I made a joke. I said, eh, no kids. Huh? Well, that's more money for me. <laughs> you know, but the one thing I learned as I was kind of assembling this whole sermon thing, your actions influence others. And you don't, you know, you don't have to be a mom to influence people. When, when my marriage took a turn for the worse, um, I was patient, I was creative, I was strong. And part of that was due to the example set by my parents. You know, I don't think mom signed up to be the wife of a trucker, but she made it work. When my marriage ended, much like a sonic boom, I kind of went like the, the disciple in the Garden of Eden, right? Pulled out my sword and started slashing ears, buddy. I did that for about a minute and a half. And then my faith came to me and I heard, you know what, those who live by the sword die by the sword. And so I went, all right. And I focused and I prayed to God and I got through it. And I've actually tried. I think I've pretty much succeeded in having a, a friendly divorce. And the reason for that, souls are involved there. As much as I disagree with my wife, ex-wife, whatever you want to call her, uh, I still want her to see her in heaven. So I realize we've gotten kind of heavy here. And I'm not looking for a pity party. I'm not alone, by any means. Don't feel, I have an entire family right here in front of me. I got plenty of mothers to uh, actually, in some cases, too many maybe, but nonetheless. <laughs> so, again, just to emphasize this point, you, you do affect people. Could be the cashier at Mark's could be the bank teller. You affect people. I got to help Katie last week with her homework. She has no clue. But man, did that affect me. I felt so brilliant. Because I actually got to help her with some algebra. Now, some of the stuff, have you seen the stuff they're teaching kids in ninth grade? Whew, I don't always feel brilliant when I do that. But when I graduated from college, I basically had the word trainable stamped on my forehead. And when I graduated from the waters of baptism, you know, I had the word Christian more or less stamped on my forehead. And on my soul, I have property of Jesus Christ. And I am being watched. The guys in my band are not Christians. They're not. And I know that every move I make, I'm being watched. And I hope that my imitation of God is working on them maybe getting them to, to see. Um, but we can make the world a better place. We need to realize, and you need to realize that you do impact other people. Um, our mothers impacted us, obviously. And so Kirk is now going to help me with a uh, ceremony here for a Rose of Remembrance. There you go. What my mother meant to me. Again, you can find this out at feedingmyfaith.com forward slash five one. Don't forget that uh, if you go to myfaithclose.com, 
You can pick up some really cool T-shirts, cool iPhone covers, all sorts of great stuff, and anything you buy there helps support the show. Also, I'll put a link out at the website for an Amazon link. If you're going to be buying anything at Amazon, it's an easy way. It doesn't cost you a dime more than what you're going to spend, and um, anything you buy there helps uh, support the show. So thank you so much for that, and to all the mothers out there, happy Mother's Day. I know it's a thankless job many times, but uh, you don't realize what an impact you are making. I know um, I've talked about that in the past where you don't realize that your how much your kids learn from you. Even if you choose not, think about this, even if you choose not to have a sit-down talk with your kids, that decision to not make a decision is a decision. Do you follow that one? And you are teaching them that, something there. You're teaching them that you don't care. And the great thing is moms always care. It's always nice to have, you know, when all else fails, you've always got mom in your corner. And that's what gives a lot of people the confidence to uh, get up in the day. So thank you, mom. And uh, I hope you guys have a great Mother's Day. Take care. And uh, say, ain't no like a Holy Ghost party, cause the Holy Ghost-